Well, good morning. Happy Mother's Day to all the moms. And um, it really is truly an honor to stand up here and bring God's word to you. And uh, I just want to say thank you to Pastor Jamie and Cheryl for this opportunity. And it just truly is an honor. And um, like I said, happy Mother's Day to all moms. Um, You are heroes. Uh, What you do is... um, doesn't end your your work never ends and it's um but it is challenging and so sacrificing but yet so rewarding so thank you for all you do and i actually saw um a video online a few weeks ago that i thought would be perfect for today so we're gonna go ahead and show that Wow. 
think about my mom. Yeah, what are you thinking about her? I'm thinking about all those nights and everything. Thank you so much for everything you do. I know it doesn't seem like I appreciate all of it, but I definitely do. So, Mom, I want to say thank you for everything that you've done. I love you very much. You've been there through <coughs> thick and thin. My mom is just awesome. She's awesome. So yeah, you wanna, might want to make your mom a card to all the director of operations. And uh, a funny part that I like was, oh, can you take a lunch break? And uh, it's only after the associate has eaten. And I thought that was hilarious because I was sitting down eating after my children had eaten lunch. So it was kind of uh, timely. So I just thought that was um, funny and had a great point. But I just think um, being on Mother's Day could kind of be a difficult task because I think most of the time you're expected to speak on motherhood and honoring motherhood, which is good and a great thing. But just because um, I've also never spoken on a Sunday to a crowd of mixed people, there are women in here, there are mothers, there are young girls, there are guys, uh, young girls who will be mothers but not yet men who have no desire to be a mother ever so I just feel like today could be a little difficult so I decided to go a different route and speak about the thing that has impacted me and helped me the most as a mother and that the great thing about that is it's encouraging and applies to everyone in here whether you're a mother a father or nowhere near any of those things so um, I just want to start by praying so um, father we just come to you God and we just we just do, I just pray you would do what only you can do, Father. These are just words from me, God, unless you come, Father, unless you speak, unless your Holy Spirit illuminates this word, Father. And I just pray that you would be glorified, God, that you would be honored in this and that um, people can walk away knowing just you, Father. And I just thank you for this day and all that you're going to do in it. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. So the first thing I want to do is um, just uh, the first scripture I have is Hebrews six nineteen, and that says, this hope we have as an anchor of the soul, a hope both sure and steadfast, and one which enters within the veil. And today I want to talk to you about hope. Um, let me first start by saying that there are two types of hope. There's worldly hope and biblical hope. Worldly hope is a desire for something good in the future. Example, things like, I hope it doesn't rain today. Because you know you can't control that. So you just, oh, I have plans. I hope it doesn't rain today. I hope I get that job. I hope my, this is a big one for me. I hope my kids get to bed early. <laughs> and we all know that, that takes that process. You have to like mentally prepare for bedtime because it's like a long process. It's like exhausting after, but it's great. Uh, and a personal one for me, a light came on my van on the way over here. And mine was, I hope this van makes it to church this morning. Uh, this one's not really for me because I would love to care about sports, but I just really don't. I hope LSU wins today or whatever the teams would be. I think it's basketball right now. But um, I think, <laughs> no, I know. Uh, I hope you feel better soon. We tell that to people often. And um, we actually have been told this one, uh, the surgery or medicine is the only hope we have for your son. And um, this kind of hope isn't bad to have. Um, but if our hope is only based on feelings and uncertainty, what happens when those things don't go as planned, when your plans fall through, when things don't happen that way? 
most people, most of the time, we can lose hope. And what do we do when we lose hope? And most of the time, we try to escape. Um, did you know, statistic-wise, more people commit suicide as older people? The um, statistics are higher as you get older in life, not younger. Um, I found that kind of shocking because what do you, most youth, youth have, young people, hope. They look to their future. They look with hope. But as people get older, things don't go as planned. Life is a lot rougher than they thought it would be. So people are checking out because they've lost hope. Um, and why are some of the richest celebrities, you constantly hear on the news um, of a celebrity overdosing or um, just in rehab, why is that? They have not enough money in the world can give them hope or give them what they're looking for. And why are so many people turn to things? It's a list of things that you can turn to when you are uh, out of hope, which drugs, alcohol, relationships, food, shopping, whatever tries to fill that hole that hope can't get, that you can't find that hope. We try to fill it with those things. So we try to escape. People try to escape when there's feelings of no hope. But let's see what the Bible says about hope. Biblical hope is a confident expectation and desire for something good in the future. And biblical hope not only desires something good for our future, it expects it to happen and is confident it will happen. And in Hebrews 6.19, as I already said, but I'll go over it again. This hope we have as an anchor of the soul, a hope both sure and steadfast, and one which enters within the veil. So you think about a boat. I don't know if some of y'all go fishing. But um, if you go out probably a little further than maybe in the bayou. You, well, I don't know. You might need an anchor in the bayou. I'm not quite sure. But uh, I guess I'm not the out, as big as outdoorsy type. But uh, I do know what an anchor is. But... Uh, <laughs> And I do know the point of an anchor, but the point of an anchor, uh, its main job is when the winds and incoming tides are come crashing down, the boat can stay secure and in place. And um, just in case, if some of you don't know uh, Josh or I or our story, um, just a quick recap. In January of 2013, our youngest son, Joel, he's four now, but he was diagnosed at two with a rare and uh, life-threatening disease called pulmonary hypertension. And... Um, we found out also at that time that there's no cure, no known cure, and uh, it claims the life of ch- lives of children within one to three years. And um, last June, actually, our doctor, which he's not our current doctor, but looked at us and said, your son has six months to a year to live. You can kind of do the math on that one. And uh, today he's actually at a record dose um, on his medicine, uh, world record dose, most kids are nowhere near this and aren't that high. And um, his statistics, because it's rare in uh, boys and young children, it's actually, for adults, it can be one in three million. For him, it's one in 10 million. So if you kind of really step back, like, where did, you know, one in 10 million, you know, like, that's really kind of mind-blowing for me. But um, with that said, needless to say, um, we've had the, the waves crash on us crash hard on us and are still beating on us, but yet we still have hope. And um, I want to share with you what is our hope. And I pray that today you would walk away knowing that that hope is available for you also. Um, That same hope is offered to you. So what is our hope? What are we hoping in? Number one, our hope is anchored to someone, not something. And um, in Psalm 42 one through six. I'll just read it, and I just 
love this, and I've clung to this one lately. It's kind of funny because uh, Josh will say, like, sometimes when he preaches, you kind of live out during the week. I've had to <laughs> walk this one out myself, and I'll explain a little later. But Psalm 42, 1 through 6, as a deer pants for flowing streams, so, my, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night, while they say to me all the day long, Where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I go to the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God with glad shouts and songs of praise, a multitude-keeping festival. Why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, and I shall praise him, my salvation and my God. And, um... The, what was going on in David's life at the time was people were literally after his life. So people were trying to kill him. So that's a pretty low point in your life, I would say. And um, he just wants to get back to the temple. He wants to get back to the sanctuary where they gathered together to praise God as a group. Because that's where, you know, you're strengthened sometimes as a, um, as, a, as, a, uh, as a church, as the people of God. And he wanted to get there. And he knows who God is, and yet his soul was forgetting because he was thinking about what he couldn't have at the time. He couldn't get there. He's wanting to. He's longing to. But his deepest desire had to be, he had to remind himself that it's God and not getting to a place to worship God because God was what could be with him at that time. But he had to remind himself who, is God, who God was um, and remind his soul, why are you downcast on oh, my soul? Hope in God. And so... Um, uh, in this passage, David is encouraging himself to hope in who? In God, not himself or his circumstances. And notice David is going through hell. Like I said, he was having people literally trying to kill him. So it wasn't, you could say it wasn't a pleasant time in his life. And that would be the waves are crashing down on him. And uh, this passage is encouraging, in, in, uh, is encouraging to me. And that is because David loved God and yet he was going through hard times and that the waves were crashing down on him, but yet he still chose to hope in God, even then when it looked like there could be no hope. And one of the greatest ways God exposes where we put our hope is, is through suffering and struggles and hard times. And that's hard to say, that's hard to admit, but it's when we are put through those situations is when we lean further on him and depend on him and can, uh, Look to him for what we need instead of, if you know, if you've ever tried, it's not in yourself. <laughs> the hope is not there because circumstances change, the things in your life change, and I can't produce hope out of myself. I can't, like, hope, 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 hope. Like, it, it just doesn't come. Like, that doesn't work. And so we don't have what we need, but it's in Christ. And um, it's easy to have hope when all's going well. You don't really need to depend on him because you don't have need of him because you have everything you need. Um, but it's for the times when you feel overwhelmed that you're tempted to lose hope when it feels like the situation seems hopeless. Cause you know, if it said we have an anchor of the soul, a hope both sure and steadfast. So it can't be hopeless if he's sure and steadfast and isn't going anywhere. Um, and when our hope rises and falls based on someone or something, it's easy to get discouraged and lose hope. Um, because as you know, if you don't know, nothing in this life is secure. Um, it can feel secure. You can feel security in your house, in your job, um, in the family that God's given you with your children, your spouse, your relationships. It can feel secure. But in one moment, one phone call, everything could fall apart and can be lost. 
And um, we have to know that the things around us are not secure and are not sure. And the only thing in this life that is secure and is sure is Christ. And we have to have our, our hope and our, and our just knowing that that's where our hope and our security is in, is in him. Because he's secure, he's sure and steadfast, and nothing else is. And um, you must often remind yourself, just like David did, who God is in the uh, Psalms, uh, who Jesus is and what he has done for you and what he's promised. Because he is our salvation and he is our God. He is our strength when he's weak. Actually, in the Bible says, in our weakness, he is made strong. That's like opposite to us. Like we got to, oh, be strong, you know, oh, uh, you know, try harder. Like those things don't work because we can only go so far in our own strength. And sometimes what we need to accomplish is greater than our own strength. So it's humbling to uh, admit, I can't do this on my own. Uh, I'm weak. But that's where he comes in when we let go and admit that we're weak and that he can be strong for us. He is our hope when things look hopeless because, you know, a lot of times it will look hopeless. He loves you. He is for you and he is with you. And the best part is that he lives in you. And the Bible says that Christ in you, the hope of glory. So we can have hope in the midst of hopelessness. And the essence of hope is the ability to face the facts that are against you, but keep your faith in the God who is within you. So um, speaking of hope and preaching, uh, living out what I'm having to preach to you to say, hey, when times are hard, preach to yourself, say to your soul, like um, to hope in God. Um, Sunday, uh, every at this point, every other week on Sunday nights, we have to increase Joel's medicine um, so that way he can get more and because uh, his his symptoms will come out, which is like breathlessness, um, probably a lot of other things. But anyway, so a lot of things, uh, he needs these increases. And so Sunday night we increase. So we know to expect on Mondays, he's going to not feel good because um, it drops his blood pressure. So it takes his body a little bit to get used to it. Side effects, medicines have side effects. So his can be um, vomiting, diarrhea, headaches, muscle aches, jaw pain, um, so we know most Mondays he's going to be groggy, not feeling good. So this Monday uh, he was. And so uh, with this disease, um, some days seem okay. So it's, it's never not in our minds or before our eyes in a sense because we know without, you know, what medically speaking how this disease is. And so um, it's never not there. But some days, I don't know how to explain it, but some days are heavier than others. Well, when he's not doing good, it just the day feels it feels weighty. It feels heavy and um, kind of awful, really. And so he wasn't doing good and um, just the normal side effects. Well, usually Monday, it's resolved. Well, here we go Tuesday, and he wakes up, and he says, oh, my tummy's feel, my tummy feels better. And after he ate, he just kind of slumps, and we know it's still um, affecting him. And uh, his, he would say, my knee, you know, it hurts right here. I was rubbing his, his knee. So he was really feeling some effects because, again, he's on a world record dose. So in his little body, he's just having these problems. And so uh, actually, this was the Monday night that, uh, so Tuesday he still wasn't feeling good. But when, when I'm about to talk about what was going on, this was actually on Monday night. So I didn't even know on, yet on Tuesday he still wouldn't be feeling good. But um, Josh was getting the boys to bed, which we said is a process. And so uh, I was downstairs cleaning the kitchen. And uh, like I said, it was just a heavy night. And I was crying and crying and crying 
And um, like I, I talked about Psalm 42, about hoping God, you know, like, why are you so downcast on my soul? There's actually a song that um, is kind of the words to this psalm. So I had it on repeat, repeat. I was cleaning the kitchen, just kept pressing repeat and kept crying and kept crying. Nothing felt like God showed up in the room and, you know, like took away these feelings of uh, hopelessness in a sense or uh, turmoil within me. But I knew, like, I know where my hope lies. I know where he, I know who he is. I have to keep telling my soul Hope in God, hope in God. So that's why I just had the song on repeat, the song on repeat, continuing to speak to my soul. Even when it looks bad, it feels bad, but that's not what we have to base our things off of, not what it looks like, not what it feels like, but on who he is. And um, however this ends, however anything ends, that he is our hope, he is secure, he is steadfast for us. So uh, like I said, I had to preach to myself when I'm preaching to you to continue to do. And also, um, you can't pray for hope or really for anything just like once. Like, God, I just pray you give me hope in this hopeless situation. Amen. Like, ah, like everything's great. Like sometimes, depending on what you're going through, it can be hourly. It can be by the minute of pleading and begging with God to meet you in whatever situation you may be facing. Because we run out. We get tired. We get weary. We don't have enough in us, but he's a source who never runs dry. He never runs out. So when we run out of hope, that's what we have, a sure, steadfast foundation. We can run to him and continue to get hope where the world doesn't have that and will run out and will get dry and will run to other things and escape. But we have a hope and we have something we can turn to and we don't have to check out. Um, So that's what has been... An anchor for me is Christ. Um, the best sermon you can preach to yourself this week, week may only be three words. Hope in God. Because um, he's the anchor of our soul. And number two, our hope is anchored in eternity, not momentary. Our hope is anchored in Jesus who lives in me, but also in heaven where we will one day be. Another way to lose hope is to think that everything we see, touch, taste, and feel here will last forever. Because we're, uh, we're humans. We think everything just around us, we don't, ha- I don't think we really can have like an actual, we, we can't comprehend eternity. We can't even really comprehend like a thousand years. So how can we really comprehend eternity? So we only sometimes can get wrapped up in what we can touch or see or taste. And um, it's unnatural really against our nature to believe in something we don't see. Um, just as an example, um, cause I'm a mom, so I can speak more to this, but like young moms, whenever you have toddlers and babies and endless diapers and feedings and dishes and, uh, the quickest way to, in- to discouragement and losing hope, what's the quickest way to discouragement and losing hope is to think that this season or this day will last forever. Cause I don't know anybody like you. Sometimes those days feel like they last forever. Um, maybe you lost your job or if you're in a, a financial struggle Or you're struggling with an illness or watching a family member struggle with the illness. What's the quickest way to lose hope? To get caught up in the fact that you think this will last forever. And on one hand, it's true. Most struggles are just seasons. But some never change. There's some situations in our lives that might not change. But, um, and this can be very tough. But in 2 Corinthians 4, 16 through 17, it says, So we do not lose heart. 
Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light, momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. Kind of seems like a paradox. Our outer body is wasting away. I don't know if you know, like, no matter how much exercise or Botox or surgeries you do, you will waste away. And, um, but yet, on the other hand, um, our inner self can be renewed day by day. And that's so encouraging. Um, but for me, uh, okay, well, anyway, in uh, the first chapter of Second Corinthians earlier, Paul says his suffering was a burden too heavy to carry. But later in Second Corinthians, he says, Uh, But now it's a light and momentary affliction in view of heaven. So if we only view what was going on right now, right in front of us, it feels too much of a burden. It feels too heavy and too weighty. But when we can look to eternity in view of heaven, it can be light and momentary. When we think about being with him forever and ever and ever and ever, no end, the things we face are light and momentary. Uh, The key to know in your, the key is to know in your heart that whatever you're going through is light and momentary. So uh, let me just have an honest moment with you uh, here. So when Joel's struggling and he's throwing up and he's having side effects and his oxygen saturations are low and he's having trouble breathing and it's hard to see him walk from one side of the room to the other without struggling, can't walk up the stairs. Um, or when I think about the fact that unless God does a miracle, this disease doesn't end well. Um, when I think about what this means for the rest of our lives here on this earth, uh, when I think about the fact that our lives have fully changed and all the medical responsibilities that Josh and I now have, or when I think about the teaching responsibilities that I now have because I'm homeschooling our boys because it's just best for Joel at the moment, on top of the young souls that we're being in charge, been in charge to guide and lead, this life can feel absolutely anything but light and momentary. It feels heavy, weighty, and that this is going to last forever. But we all know, uh, I don't know about you, but these kind of days for me, like the laundry's piling over, there's something sticky on the floor because somebody spilled something, the water on the stove is boiling over, kids are fussing at each other over something, the phone rings all at the same time, somebody comes to the door, I don't know if that happens to you, but those are usually like 20 things happen at one time. I have to remember that this is light and momentary. Again, because sometimes it will feel heavy and it lasts forever. But 1 Corinthians fifteen nineteen says, if, we, if in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. And um, that's why the resurrection is so important, because he really did rise. He really did, um, uh, he really did die for us, and he really did rise, which makes him who he says he is. But if all we have is this life, I would say we'd be pretty pitied also. Um, I don't know about you, but I'd say let's just end this now. Like, this is just a cruel joke. I don't know if you've experienced, maybe, you know, most things in your life have been easy or whatever, but I've, I've experienced enough pain to know, like, if this is it... Let's just end it now or party it up because, I mean, if that's all you got, like, come on. So just a few years of grasping for things. Um, but for those in Christ, we can have hope, and that's not the end. And C.S. Lewis said, If I find in myself a desire which no experience in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that I was made for another world. And um, one of the things, one of the biggest things I've learned the most from this year, and it's hard to I want to try to convey this in the best way I can because 
I think it's uh, kind of unless you can walk through this yourself, um, it's hard to kind of grasp. But um, he gave me the revelation, so I, I pray the same for you. But um, the, one of the biggest things I've learned in this past year and a half is how much I long for eternity now. So, again, if I'm being honest, before the suffering that we've had to go through, I wanted to live life. Obviously, I wanted Jesus in my life and with me and leading and guiding me. But I wanted to do things. I wanted to get married and uh, have kids and watch my grandchildren grow up and uh, grow old with my husband. And uh, those were deep desires. And those are good things. And those are still big desires in my heart. Those are all things I want to do and see. I want to travel the world. I want to go to Hawaii. Like, I think that's if a picture is that gorgeous, I mean, like, how really great can this be? I want to go to Italy. Like, I want to see all these things, and I want to do all these things. But, and I, just preparing for this, I had this kind of big revelation. Like, if in this fallen, sinful world, if Hawaii can be that gorgeous and beautiful, what is heaven like? The God who created absolutely everything. Like, I long and try to grasp for these earthly things. But I should be longing and grasping for him because how much more beautiful is the God of creation and being with him. And so um, these these desires are not, I don't want to get across, these things are good and he's given us good gifts. But it can't be the deepest desire and longing of your heart. It has to be him or you will constantly be let down. You will constantly be hopeless. You will hit hard places often. He ha- your hope and your treasure has to be in Christ. And uh, longing for him more than anything. And I can honestly say, I never could say before this year and a half with my whole heart. You know, people say, come Lord Jesus. It'd be, come on, yeah, come Lord Jesus. Like, yeah, like after I'm done with my life, like I'm done doing my things, like come. Like there's people who you know would say it with their whole heart. And they're just like, come Lord Jesus. Like, yeah. But now I know I can completely say with my whole heart, come Lord Jesus. Like, Come now, please rescue us from all of this. And um, I wanted him to return, but when I was done living my own life and not realizing that when he returns, he will make all things new and we will be like him and we will be with him. Like our minds just can't understand and sometimes in a sense because we just get so wrapped up in what's in front of us. But there be, can you imagine no more pain, no more suffering, no more tears, no more regrets, no more longings. And above all, we will be with him. And all of this pales in comparison to any person, any relationship, any marriage, any child. Those things are great, but they're not the greatest. And he is. And when you are faced with hopeless situations, if you're not grounded in him, if you're not grounded in knowing where your hope lies and focusing on eternity, you will get caught up and stuck in the now. And it will feel heavy and forever instead of light and momentary in comparison with heaven. And suffering has taught me that my hope has to be in him and in heaven. Um, If you don't get... Three months of good sleep because you have a crying baby who won't sleep. Or if someone got the promotion instead of you. Or this house that you're trying to sell just won't sell. Not speaking from experience. Um, or whatever. In, uh, when it talks about in the scripture that this light and momentary affliction is. Whatever your this is. Everybody in here is facing things. Um, whatever your this is. You will fall apart. And you will lose hope if your hope is not anchored in Christ. And anchored to heaven. And... Um, Miss Tracy uh, knew I was having a rough week. So Monday, she had actually t- texted me this scripture. So I just want to end with this. And it's Isaiah 25, 6 through 9. 
And on this mountain, the Lord of all hosts will make for all people a feast of rich food, a feast of well-aged wine, of rich food, of marrow, of aged wine, well-refined. And he will swallow up on this mountain the covering that is cast over all people, the veil that is spread over all nations. He will swallow up death forever. And the Lord God will wipe away will wipe away tears from all faces and the reproach of his people he will take away from the earth. For the Lord has spoken. It will be said on that day, behold, this is our God. We have waited for him that he might save us. This is the Lord. We have waited for him. Let us be glad and rejoice in his salvation. And uh, like I said, I just want to end with that. Just um, hoping and longing for that day when he will swallow up death forever. He will take away the reproach from his people. And um, that we could say with confidence, this, this is our God. We've waited for him that he might save us. So um, just thank you for this opportunity. And I just um, pray that God would just know, instill in your hearts to have your hope in him who he is sure and steadfast and your hope set in eternity. So thank you.